Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Well, hi again, everyone. I'm 1010 Win Sports Director Mark Renee. This is On the Mark as we take a look at the stories behind the stories in the world of sports. And we are back in the book nook today talking with former Yankee Ron Bloomberg. He is the author of the book just out this week called The Captain and Me on and off the field with Thurman Munson. It's from Triumph Books. He wrote it with a fellow named Dan Epstein. And Mr. Bloomberg, your claim to fame, obviously, is as the first Major League Baseball designated hitter. But I want to talk to you about your co-authors, because your other book was designated Hebrew, which you wrote with a buddy of mine, Dan Schlossberg. And my first question before we get into the captain and me, I need to know, how come you only write books with guys named Dan? Well, because I had to make sure most uh, Dan's are Jewish. So what I had to do is to make sure that I had a Schlossberg and an Epstein. So I was very, very lucky to have two fine, great writers to really help me out in these books because there was, there'd be no way that I could do it myself. And like I always tell people, I barely passed English in high school and whoever thought Whoever thought that I was going to have two successful books, but the book now, The Captain and Me, is number one with Amazon, and this is the book of the book to do everything I possibly can to get Thurman into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Number one on Amazon. Congratulations on that. It's a terrific read. I'm telling everybody right up front. Um, Tell us, please. Aside from, you know, campaigning for Thurman to finally get in the Hall of Fame, which we will get into, um, why now? Why this book and why now? Uh, I think this is my last hurrah. You know, I mean, I'm 72 years old. Uh, Who knows what's going to happen? I I know that probably the next time I get back to uh, Yankee Stadium playing an old timers day, I know I'm going to be probably in a hub around or maybe a walker. So I got to make sure that this is going to be the uh, the book of the books. Why now? Because I think Thurman deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, to be honest with you. I see all these people getting in. And the thing that really irritates me more than anything, I knew Thurman extremely well. Uh, being, you know, his teammate, uh, being his roommate, but he was a brother to me. Uh, He was a guy that I signed in 67. He signed in 68. Uh, He came up. uh, uh, We met in 69 uh, down in spring training. Uh, We became very, very close there. Uh, uh, Thurman loved to fish, loved to play golf, loved to eat like I did. Um, So it was it was a marriage. And and I really respected him, to be honest with you, Mark. you know, being from the South and he's being from the Midwest, uh, you know, I was a pretty big eater. I love my pastrami's and my corned beefs and my uh, potato salads and my roast beefs and my briskets. He had no idea what it was. So what I did was, of course, we had spring training down in Fort Lauderdale and I used to take them down to Miami all the time where the nice Jewish delicatessens were. And I, uh, 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 I got him involved with the Jewish food and he loved it. And we used to go down to uh, a Joe Stone Crab down in Miami quite mm-hmm. a few times. 
Uh, we used to, I tell you, we used to go with, we used to go to Phil Rizzuto, Elston Howard, and a real good friend of mine who became friends with Thurman and myself, Nat Tornopole, who owned Brunswick Records, who became extremely good friends of both of us. And uh, uh, I introduced him to the great, uh, uh, the foods. So he introduced me to White Castle because that's the only thing that was uh, popular in the Midwest then was White Castle hamburgers. So we really had a great relationship and he was a great teammate, a great roommate, and a great person. And I know that your family was close with his family. You got his widow, Diana, to write the forward for the book. Uh, what was it like for you to approach her and get her blessing for this project? Let me tell you something. Uh, Marty Appel did an unbelievable uh, book about Thurman. Uh, I think it was a few years ago. And it, it, and uh, Marty, I, I asked Marty, I said, Marty, if I ever did a book uh, with uh, Thurman, do you think Diana uh, would do the forward of the book? He said, well, she turned me down and she turned everybody down. So it's funny, Mark. Uh, I was down in uh, fantasy camp and there was uh, Diana Munson. Uh, there was Helen Hunter and with all the campers and they were signing autographs for all the kids. Oh, all the kids, all the, all the guys. Okay. They're all, they, hey, average age, 70 years old. Okay. So they signed in autographs. So I just had a whim and I started thinking, I said, you know, what I want to do more than anything, and this is going to be my last book. You know, I mean, Hey, I'm not smart enough. I don't know anything else to say. So I went up to Diana. I said, Diana, can I ask you a question? And well, first thing she hugged me and, you know, we're that close. And, and she said, what, Ron? And I said, what would I tell you if I was going to write a book about Thurman? Not a baseball book, about a book about what he really was, what type of guy he was. And she said, she looked at me and she said, I think it would be great because you would be the perfect person to really set the people out straight to find out what type of guy he was. I said, okay. I said, would you do the, I just, I said, would you do the forward of the book? She said, I would be glad to. And that's what she said. And I said, Diana, you got it. I said, this is what I want. I said, because Thurman and I were very, very close and you're close. Uh, with my family. And what I would like to do is to uh, tell people and to write something about what was Thurman really was like, you know, not out on the field where he was nasty in the clubhouse. He was nasty. He hated the writers. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, he, he was a guy that used to come into the clubhouse unshaven uh, wore same clothes a lot of times. Uh, sometimes he would, if he was so upset, sometimes he wouldn't take a shower. He would just leave to go, you know, I mean, that was the type of guy he was. He was a blue collar, successful baseball player. And that was the old baseball guys. He was that type of guy. And he was, he was, he was the captain of the captains. And uh, so I started my book and I, found, well, my uh, uh, literary agent was a guy named uh, uh, Rob Wilson, who was uh, Bill Madden's and Marty Appel's, uh, 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 you know, literary agents. Okay. And uh, he was mine. And I asked him about it. And he said, I think that would be great. Because nobody's ever written a book about Thurman to tell him the other side of what he really was. Right. So I did it. OK, so it took us almost over a year because, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, I'm not an introverted type of guy. And, you know, I like to talk a little bit and I gave this guy a lot of information. So when he asked me a question, I never got he never really got the answer because I did a 360. So I told I gave him like three answers all in one. So if he asked me one question. Uh, I gave him three answers for three different questions. So that was a, that's the type of guy I am. Okay. But anyway, Mark, uh, we wrote the book. 
And, you know, and this guy was such a great writer. And, you know, he was an editor for the Rolling Stones. He, he wrote for them. He wrote uh, 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 for Sports Illustrated, did some stuff with Sports Illustrated. And he was an excellent, excellent, excellent writer. And my first book, Dan Schlausberg, was a great writer also. But he writes a different type of book than Dan Epstein. Okay. Yeah. And uh, 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 Slouch, Dan did an unbelievable job with it. Uh, you know, I praise him. You know, I love him to death. And he did an unbelievable bo book. But Rob uh, Wilson told me this guy uh, writes a different type of book. So he put the, uh, uh, it, it took us a year to put it together. Uh, the transcripts was sent to Rob Wilson. He read it. Uh, he loved it. He loved it. Uh, he was trying to sell it to different book companies. Uh, he went to the larger book companies, Simon & Schuster, Penguin, and book companies like that. Mm -hmm. And they turned it down because they wanted a bigger book. They, they didn't think this book was going to, they didn't think it was large enough for them. So they went to Triumph. Triumph ate it up. They loved it. Uh, we put the book together. Uh, it came out a couple of days ago. It's doing unbelievable. It's a book. It's, 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 it's Mark. It's, it's a book where you'll laugh, you know, you'll smile and you cry. They cry because they feel bad for me because my last two years I died, you know, 76 and 77, I couldn't play. So Thurman really actually took care of me. And, you know, when I was depressed, and uh, so this book, uh, uh, so I found out from my literary agent, uh, uh, Rob Wilson, that uh, uh, Simon and & Schuster and Penguin so upset <laughs> because they didn't take the book. They didn't think it was big enough. Hey, I, I told Rob, I said, whatever it does, whatever it takes for me to get Thurman to get more publicity and what type of guy he was. And I said, I think the best way to do this because there, he has to go through the uh, 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 the old committee uh, for the, him to get into the uh, Hall of Fame, or you know, I mean, the Veterans Committee. Right. And I want these guys to really find out what type of what type of guy he was. And I'm doing everything I possibly can. And uh, so you know, the book has done great. Uh, we they, we sold tons and tons of books. And people like yourself and, you know, y'all love the book because it's not a typical book. It's a fun book to read. And, you know, and, and people are just contacting me off, you know, I mean, just through Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff and tell me how much they love the book. They never read a book like this. And, you know, I thank them. I said, it's not for me. It's for the fans and it's for Thurman. You know, I got my hurrah already. I, 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 hey, I did it. But I want this to be, I, I want Diana and I want Mike Munson and I want the fans, the fans that love Thurman. And everybody always told me Thurman should be in the Hall of Fame. I said, absolutely. So I push and so I'm pushing and pushing and pushing. I'm doing it everything I possibly can. And I will get him in the Hall of Fame with your help, Mark. I'll do what I can, Ron. Now, his numbers obviously are comparable to other catchers who were in. Carlton Fisk and Johnny Bench were his contemporaries. And uh, you get into Thurm's uh, relationship, in air quotes, with Carlton Fisk. There was no love lost between those two. But no. here's, the, here's the question I have to ask you, though. Because of his relationship with the writers who would have been the ones voting him in or not, how do you figure that relationship or animosity would have impacted, you know, the, the, the fact that he wasn't voted in. Well, you know, I, I look at the veterans committee, you know, I just found out the veteran committee cause I had no idea who the veteran committee was. So I had to ask some people and, you know, they told me there was some hall of famers involved in that. They told me there was some executives on some teams. And I know that a lot of executives knew about Thurman, but probably never saw Thurman, to be right. honest with you, okay? The Hall of Famers, uh, I don't know who, 
what Hall of Famers are out there. But Thurman always got along well with the players. Right. Okay. Other than the guy in Boston, (laughs) other guy in Boston. And it was, that was, that was not a love hate relationship. That was a hate hate relationship. Mm -hmm. But that was great for the game of baseball. It was great for the Yankees in the Red Sox series. It was great for us. And, you know, you know, to this day, I always looked at the catchers and, you know, the guys that got in, uh, was uh, a fist, Ted Simmons, Johnny Bench. Okay. And I look at, I, maybe I do it incorrectly, but I look the guys that are successful numbers or numbers. And, you know, you, you can't throw numbers out. And Thurman was close to 10 years, I believe. Am I right, Mark? He was a little bit less than 10 years. He was in his 10th, right? He came up he was in his 70th year. Okay. Yeah, he was in his 10th I think so. Year. Okay. And, you know, his numbers for 10 years and what he did for the game of baseball, not just for the stats, what he did was he led probably the most, the biggest dynasty and the biggest brand name in the game of baseball and in any sport other than you know, the Manchester, you know, team and, you know, and the Cowboys, but you got the New York Yankees and this guy stayed in New York and went through the lean years and he went through the great years. And when you play for uh, 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 CBS that cared less about the Yankees when we started, okay. And then all of a sudden you come in with the George Steinbrenner and George loved the Yankees. He loved New York. And he was tough. And Thurman was tough. George was tough. And they always had bounce. But that was a love-hate relationship. And, you know, Thurman loved George. He did. But they always argued. And that's what George loved about uh, uh, if you – if. If you went to George, if you had a problem, if you said, George, uh, I need your help. And if he starts yelling at you and you just bow down to him, he'll tell you to get out. But if you get in his face and if you tell him the way that you feel and the way that uh, 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 the team needs to do this, you need to do this, I need to make more money. This guy respects you more than anybody. And I know you, uh, you probably met George a few times. And, yeah. you know, if you go up, you know, if you go up to his locker, not, uh, up to his uh, office, everybody in that uh, office has been fired 15, 20 times. <laughs> right. And they always been, uh, hey, if somebody comes up to him and if he doesn't like somebody, their shoes or, you know, if, he, if somebody's talking out of place or they drinking coffee or whatever it is, you're fired. Pick up your bags. You're gone. The next day, they're back. He, you know, I mean, that's the type of guy he was. George, George was great to me. He was tough to me. You know, I mean, he, he was great to me at first. But when I left as a free agent, he really got upset with me, him and Gabe Paul, because I left the Yankees where I was injured and they took care of me. Okay, but I had to make a change. I had to make a change. It was the toughest thing in the world. I left the greatest city in the world, the greatest fans in the world to go to Chicago. Chicago is nowhere. Chicago is a great town. And, you know, Bill Veck was wonderful to play for. He was great. He was so fun. But nobody was like George Steinbrenner. George was the best of the best. And I know that you've probably seen him when he was going through some uh, crazy times and stuff, but he was the best of the best, Mark. I mean, he was he was wonderful to me. I respected him. He treated me like a son. But, you know, I mean, he he will whoop me in a second if, you know, if if I did something incorrectly. If I didn't run down to first base, oh, my uniform would be uh, packed in a bag and I'll be down. Not, not, I would be going to Scranton. I would be going to, uh, you know, the A-ball. Uh, a but that was the type of guy he was. 
Yeah. Hey, before we continue, I just want to set the record straight before anybody jumps on our case and thinks we don't know what we're talking about. Thurman did come up for a cup of coffee, 25 or so games in 1969, but he maintained his rookie status and obviously became rookie of the year in 1970. So technically 79 would have been his 10th full season. Just want to make sure we're all on the same page with that. Yeah. I came up, you know, I came up for the 30 day, uh, 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 when they brought the 30 day, uh, uh, roster up when they brought Mm -hmm. the guys up. So, uh, I played with Thurman in 69 just for 30 days. Right. Okay. Um, let me talk to you about uh, a little bit about your career and I want to get to the designated hitter situation because that's where you, you know, made history. Um, but as it relates to the book, Ron, um, you know, you're reliving all those years from when you were drafted in the first round, Thurm was drafted in the first round and, you know, you went through the ups and downs with the Yankees of the early seventies to the transition into a pennant winning team in 76, which you were a little bit of a part of. Uh, and obviously, you know, the, the fact that you hadn't gotten a chance to play very much in 77 and 78, in fact, from the middle of July, if my, if my numbers are correct here, mid July of 75 until April of 78, you played in exactly one major league game. Yeah, so, but I um, left. Okay, wait, 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 real, real quick. But yeah. I left in New York in 77. I went to Chicago in 78. Right. I was a free agent. Right. Chicago. Yeah, no, and, okay. I, and I wanted to talk about that. Okay. I'm just curious to know, when when you didn't come back to the Yankees, was that their decision or was that your decision? Obviously, you were a free agent, but if you had your choice, would you have stuck around? Or, or as you mentioned before, you needed a change of scenery. Was that sort of something that they instigated or or you took the initiative? I did. You know, they, they're very upset when I told them I was going to become a free agent. Uh, I remember when I put my name out on the list where you become a free agent, there was a team that uh, at that particular time had an opportunity to dress and to talk to you. So I think I got picked up by 10 or 11 different teams. But as soon as I did that, I got a call from Gay Paul and I got a call from uh, uh, George. Okay. And they said, how in the world can you do this to us? We have gone, uh, uh, we have stayed with you when you're injured. We did everything we possibly can. And, you know, I mean, it was something that was the toughest thing in the whole world that I, I went through. Uh, I, you know, spoke to my family. I spoke to my, uh, my best friend, Sheldon Stone, who was my agent. His father uh, represented Elston Howard. Uh, but I contacted Thurman and, you know, I really had a heart to heart contact with Thurman because I respected him so much because I looked at him as our team captain, even though, uh, uh, you know, I mean, he was a team captain as soon as he came to the Yankees, right. Uh, even though he wasn't officially the team captain, he was a team captain. He was a guy that came in there. He was a guy that got in your face. He was a guy that kicked your butt. He was a guy who would say anything. He would, he, would, he would eat you up and spit you out. But, you know, he would do it in a nice way, but he would do it in a nasty way if you, you know, you know did something in really, 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 really wrong. But uh, uh, Gay Paul and George uh, contacted me and they spoke to me quite a few times and maybe try to, you know, make me feel guilty. I felt very guilty. Yeah. And really, Mark, you know, I, I was in the greatest city in the world, the greatest fans in the world. They took care of me. Uh, the, uh, when I used to, when, you know, being Jewish and living in New York and myself, it was really just myself. Kenny Holzman was just going to leave and, you know, they were going to get rid of him because he didn't pitch in the uh, playoffs and, you know, right. whatever. They wanted him to leave. Uh, basically, it was myself. And uh, uh, Art Shamsky, that was with the Mets. Okay, right. uh, we're the only Jewish ball players actually in uh, New York. But the fans took so great care of me when I was injured. Mark, when I was injured, when I used to go downtown and when I used to go into a restaurant, they just embraced me. They took so it was a love. Uh, it was a love relationship. 
And when I used to come to the ballpark, people still in right field used to have a big sign out for me behind first base where I used to play. They had a, they had a, uh, 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 signs for me. So they really took great care of me. It was so hard to leave. It was, I mean, it killed me to leave, but Thurman said, whatever your gut feels like, do it. I said, I got to leave because, you know, I have let my teammates down for two years. I let them down. I was getting paid, but not much because our salaries are not a lot of money, but uh, uh, they were still paying me and it was no problem. And I got a Yankee ring. I got this ring right here. Uh, you can't see it. Okay. But I got a, I, I got a Yankee ring and in 77, I was on the team. Uh, I was uh, at the games. Uh, I was up in the press box, but I did not play. And that was my lifetime dream was to play in the World Series and the playoffs that I missed. Yeah. You know, I, I've always wanted to ask you, because you were a rock star anyway, how much bigger would you have been in New York City if you hadn't had, and they were both really freak injuries, your shoulder, you basically shredded a tendon in your shoulder swinging, uh, the knee that you shattered running into a wall in spring training. Uh, how, how much bigger would you have been, Ron Bloomberg, had you not suffered those two freak injuries? Well, you know, I don't look at myself. Okay. I didn't look at myself as a star. I looked at myself as a, a fan favorite because I was the player. I lived my uh, uh, fantasy while they were the heroes of the game of baseball. I played uh, baseball because I loved it. Uh, they excited me. They took care of me. I didn't look at a star, you know, back when we played, there was a Joe Namath, you know, where, you know, I mean, he had all the write-ups. I had all the write-ups. I was very lucky. All the writers were Jewish. All the sports casters were Jewish. Uh, all the people in the front office up in, with the Yankees were Jewish. So all the restaurants I went to was Jewish. All the clothing stores I went to was Jewish. So, I mean, it was fun for me. I enjoyed it, to be honest with you. I enjoyed it because I made so many friends, Mark, that I used to go into a place and to sign autographs for the people that worked at places. I used to walk down the street in uh, the city, used to sign autographs. Uh, The people in taxi cabs, you know, back then, you know, uh, it, it was fun because, I mean, uh, you know, at that time, we didn't have the selfies where people took, right. uh, 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 you know, pictures of you. You know, I mean, you had to get in the paper for what you did. N- you know, now, you know, if they take a selfie, if you're at a place and you get in trouble, they take a selfie of you and you get in the front page and the back page. But if you get in the back page, you get in the right way. And you do something correctly most of the time. So I really enjoyed it. I, I loved it. The people in New York, when I go back to New York now, they are they embrace me. You know, two things is funny, Mark. Two things is funny. Uh, when Mayor Bloomberg was there, he pronounces his name Bloomberg, Bloomberg, like it's pronounced with two O's. My name is one O. Right. Whenever I used to see Michael, I always used to say, you're the guy with screwed up name. I said, my name is one O, yours two O. And he always left. Okay. Whenever I used to make an airline reservation, or if I had to go into a hotel, if I had to go to a restaurant, two things I would say, my name is Ron Bloomberg. A lot of times they would say, oh, you're the first CH, you were with the Yankees, da, 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 like that. They take care of you. Or they would say, are you related to Michael Bloomberg? And he's not, I'm not related to him, but I always tell people he's my uncle. So go. if they like him, I know that they're going to take care of me. <laughs> so I don't have anything to lose, to be honest with you. It was, it, I got in the front door and the back door. So I did it right. You're very rich uncle, we should add. 
Oh, I wish I was like that. Yeah. huh? Um, let's talk about the designated hitter. It was, uh, I suppose, a happy accident. It wasn't something that you wanted to be a part of, but you had no choice because uh, they weren't going to let you play first base on opening day. Um, so looking back on it now, almost 40 years later, well, I, no, almost 50 years later, I should say. 48. Yeah. yeah. What are your feelings about it now? I love it. I screwed up the game of baseball in 73. I'm so proud of it because 50% of the people, people love it. 50% of the pe- people hate it. And I know your friend Dan Schlausberg hates it. Uh, you know, you probably hate it, but it's great for the game of baseball. How in the world? I'm going to ask you now. I'm going to ask the fans out there. How I always, when I do a radio show, how in the world, 48 years later, they have not adopted the national league have not adopted the d8 they they had a universal last year it was great now they have a guy on second base if it's a a a a, a tie score and they have to go extra innings they got a sunday uh they got a like a sunday school league Uh, they put a a a player out of second base okay now they got the uh, uh ship and, you know, they got everybody on second base. They got five guys out in the outfield, okay? Now they're thinking about putting the uh, pitcher's mound back a foot, okay? Now, hey, you can't run into – you can't break up a double play. You can't slide in the third. You can't hit the catcher. You can't – you know, the pitchers cannot throw in and get close to the, uh, uh, to the batter, if they do, they're going to look at you and the player's going to look at you. And the funny part about it, all the hitters, they got more equipment than they do in football, than they yeah. play with football. And I don't even know how they swing with all these, uh, uh, all these uh, mechanisms on their bodies and stuff. So the game has totally changed. The game, the DH is wonderful for the game. And people don't realize, okay, it's one of the highest paid players uh, uh that's usually the dh and now you got the little leagues has a dh you got high school baseball you got college baseball and you got 90 percent of minor league have the dh and yeah. then you put the pitchers in to hit they can't hit they always get hurt how about the yankees how about yeah you know i mean yeah I, I know you go to ball games and you go watch these guys taking bp you watch the pitchers you know, they bunt the ball twice and they try to hit home runs. You don't see any bunch. You don't see any squeeze plays. And people talking about you, talking about the strategy about the game. They don't have any strategies. The, hey, it's a strikeout or a home run now. Yeah. And it's the home run, they don't even look at if it goes over the fence. First thing, they, as soon as they run around the bases, they get to the club, uh, uh, to the, uh, the dugout. It's up on the sport, uh, uh, scoreboard. It went 495 feet or 525 feet. And the large angle is this or that and whatever. I had no idea. And it goes so, and you know, and the analytical people see how hard they hit the ball. Hey, if it's a base hit, it's a base hit. It's a home run, it's a home run. Why does it, you know, it's good for the fans, but the fans I'm talking to are getting tired of it because you go to a game. 25, 27 people are striking out between both teams. And there's a home run, but there's no strategy in the game of baseball. At the double day, be rolling over in his grave to see what baseball have resolved to. It's an analytical. And I'm never going to forget, people always ask me, how did I hit? I saw the ball, I swung it, I hit it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you play It's that simple ball. sometimes. It is, no, it is. Wait, it's, it's very difficult to hit a baseball. It's, hey, but if you start thinking in all these computers, uh, you know, I became pretty good friends with uh, uh, Nick Swisher, okay? And when Nick uh, uh, used to be the DH and he used to run back, he was telling me, after always hit, you always run back to the Yankee clubhouse and would look at his a, a, a bat. I said, why do you do that? Because the next time you get up, you're going to see different pitches. I said, how is that going to help you? He, could, he told me I could tell by my hips. And I said, do you think about all that stuff? You pick up the baseball bat, you get up and you sit up there and you see the ball and they swing and hit it. You can't think that much. 
And all these analytical people have no idea about baseball. And I talked to a couple of people at the Yankee Stadium, and they all went to Harvard, Yale, all the Ivy League guys, and they, you know, they computed. They like, you know, you talk to them, they like a robot. And they walk in, you know, you I had to wind them up like, you know, uh, you know, like a toy store. You know, you wind them up and they're walking. <laughs> These guys are telling what guys to pitch. Uh, the, you, you, hey, here's a prime example. The guy at Tampa, uh, the, what was the pitcher? The left-handed pitcher was playing, uh, throwing great in the World Series and they took him out. Uh, what's yeah, the guy's Snell. name? Snell. Yeah, he, he was lights out and you take him out. Why do you do that? Why? Hey. If you did that to a Bob Gibson, Mel Stoudemire, Catfish Hunter, Gaylord Perry, Steve Carlton, Jim Palmer, what would these guys do? You know, they want to, Nolan Ryan, they want to throw their 125, 130 pitches. These guys, they want to come out after five innings. I don't know how you feel about it. You follow the game. You watch the game. And it kills me because I like to watch a good pitching game, too. Because if there's two good pitchers, let's say, you know I tell you, it would be the greatest pitching uh, a duel in baseball now. It'd be DeGrom against Cole. Right. Ah, it'd be a great game. If you take one of these guys after, after five innings and they're throwing well because, you know, I mean, because of whatever reason, you don't do that. That's great for the game of baseball. You know, I know people like uh, 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 offense, but they like uh, uh, pitching duels too. And being a hitter myself, Hey, I want to face the best pitcher. I want to face a DeGrom. I want to get up there as a man on third base. And I got to get this guy in with two outs. I want to face this guy. I want to get my base hit. Ronnie, along those lines, I've heard you talk about uh, that Thurman, after his playing days, obviously, if, if not for the tragic events of August 2nd, 1979, that at some point he would have become a manager, if not the Yankees manager. But given his old school thinking, which was in line with your own, at what point would he have lost his mind trying to manage in the modern era? Well, if George was the owners, if he was the owner and what he used to do, George wished to do what he used to do with Billy Martin after every at bat, George at the uh, uh, sitting in in his office or sitting at home where he has a direct line to uh, 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 the dugout. Right. I think Thurman would have left after the first pitch. But, <laughs> but you know, there's no way in the world that Thurman could have played, you know, he couldn't manage now. He could not, he could not manage now. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, uh, uh, he would have, you know, I mean, but he's that good. I mean, Thurman was a baseball man. Thurman was the, not just a team captain. He was such a great catcher. And you have to look at a catcher. You, people don't realize, you look at the pitcher, watch how many times he'll uh, call off a catcher. Mm -hmm. And I watch the guys nowadays, they step off, they, you know, they, you know, they, you know, you see it, and they calling off the catcher 10, 15, 20 times. If 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 Thurman is called off twice in a whole game, that's a lot. He, when he was back there, he was unbelievable. He knew exactly. He was a computer in his head. That's the type of guy he was. And that's why he was so great. And that's why he knew when somebody was stealing at first base. Thurman didn't have the greatest arm in the world but he had the greatest release and yeah. people always told me, and when he threw the ball, he threw it crazy, he threw it over the top, threw it inside, he threw submarine down the first base, but it, but it always got down to second base. And sometimes he'll bounce it to second base and it was a perfect throw, bang, bang, like that. But he was quickness. If you saw his hand, it looked like the ball didn't even touch his glove. It went like that. It was, it was that quick. It was that quick, Mark. And uh, this, Hey, I love to watch him catch. And it's not too many uh, uh, people, you know, I like to watch really to catch. You know, uh, I, I loved, uh, uh, I'm just thinking another catcher I used to uh, watch. Uh, you know who I used to like to watch? Uh, Jeff Torber. 
Jeff, when he uh, used to catch, uh, uh, when he used to catch for the Dodgers, of course, but when he used to catch for the Angels, I mean, he was such a great defensive catcher and, you know, uh, wasn't the best hitter in the world, but, you know, he really called a great ball game. But Thurman called a great game. He could hit, he could do it all. And people looked at him and we called him Pudge because he was a little bit pudgy, but this guy could run. This guy could run as well as anybody. He was a heck of a good ball player. He should be in the Hall of Fame. And Torborg, by the way, caught three no-hitters. So uh, not too many people have done that. How many has Thurman caught? I don't even know. Did he? Has Thurman caught any no-hitters? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so. I really don't know. I'm trying to think because before Rigetti in 81, who was the last one? Wasn't it Don Larson? I, I feel like it was Don Larson. Did uh, 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 did Gidry uh, ever throw a no hitter? Gidry did not. No. Uh, how about Catfish? No. Not with the Yankees. Not with the Yankees. I don't know. He never probably never it's did. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure he did. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Hey, um, I I don't want to leave on a down note, but I do have to ask you because we're coming up on the 42nd anniversary uh, of of the accident that took him away from us. Uh, your playing days were already over. You'd been um, on the sidelines after your year with the Cubbies uh, for about no, 10 White months. Sox. White Sox. Uh, White Sox. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's, I'm some minded. I'm thinking Chicago because they just put a hurt on the, the Mets. Uh, <laughs> um, my apologies. A, a little brain lock there. But uh, your days with the White Sox had ended about 10 months before uh, August of 79. Where were you? Because so many fans remember exactly where they were when they heard the news, where were you? I think I was at home. I think I was probably w watching one of these uh, game shows like Jeopardy or Price is Right. I don't know. And it was a, a, a thing on the uh, uh, TV that I saw and my heart just sunk and, you know, I didn't believe it, but I knew it was, it, it, I spoke to him like three or four days because I always had contact with Thurman. And I'm not sure exactly where I contacted. He might have been in Cleveland. He might have been in Cleveland, the team was. And they, he didn't fly back to New York. I think he made uh, what I, my recollection was he stayed in Cleveland, went back home to Canton. And uh, because it was an off day the next day. Right. And I think that uh, uh, that's when he went up with his uh, uh, pilots and, uh, because we know a lot of people really did not know about everybody knew that he had a plane. Okay. But we really didn't know too much about it. And he really didn't share a lot about it. He used to bring to the ballpark. He used to bring uh, uh, aviation uh, magazines all the time. And that was two out my class. You know, I mean, I, I didn't understand it. And, and, but, uh, I mean, that was, even to this day, I think about it. You know, I don't even have to look at the uh, anniversary. I think about them all the time. When I wrote this book, I thought about them. And now, because I got these books, I, I see his picture on it all the time. And, and I look at uh, what type, you know, he wasn't shaven. He, you know, his hair was all, all over the place. Look, pick up the, you know, I mean, let's see. I mean. I'm looking at it here. Obviously, the, the fans who are listening can't yeah. see it, but th this was about as clean a look as he had because we all remember with the, you know, the Fu Manchu type mustache oh, yeah. that he all of you guys uh, rocked back then. And his hair was a little bushier at, at most times. And he had, you know, a couple of days growth uh, for a beard. Um, and there's a great story that you tell in the book about the time that a bunch of you uh, were, were called into George's office um, and ordered to cut your hair. And you basically told him where to go. And, and that's we told him, screw him. <laughs> we told, you know, I mean, we, 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 we said some more choice words. It was myself. It was Catfish. It was Thurman. Uh, it was Pinella. And I'm never going to forget. Uh, we come out, you know, we're having a pretty decent year. In, in 73, that was the time the Yankees were just coming up a little bit, right? Okay. And um, I remember everybody was in uh, the locker room. Uh, and uh, I, I got something from George and, you know, and then uh, Thurman said, did you get something? And I said, what are you talking about? Because I don't know if Thurman knew anything. I said, I got a letter from uh, uh, George wants to see me. He said, I did too. 
And then all of a sudden, it was like four or five of us. Hey, I did too. And I started thinking, now, is it trade deadline now? Or are we going to get traded? Or are we going to get released? I said, we, I know we're going, not going to get released. I'm hitting 400. Uh, Catfish is pitching great. Thurman was hitting great. Nettles are hitting great. Uh, Pinella was hitting super. And we go up there. First thing he looks at, you know, he said, uh, I got my uh, uh, barber here. We're going to give you a haircut. <laughs> I said, screw you. I said, I'm not going to get a haircut. I said, he said, yes, you, you got you, you got to be like the Yankees. I wasn't the only one that said that, you know, Thurman, all the guys. I said, hey, I said, uh, uh, George, I'm hitting 400. I'm like Samson. If you're going to cut my hair, I'm going to be gone. And then I think Catfish said, I don't know how many games he won. I, he was winning. Everybody was doing pretty decent. So we, we, we left his office. We get back on the elevator and we look at each other and said, you know, two things are going to happen. We're going to get released or we're going to get fined. So we, we come to the ballpark the next day. We have an envelope, the same envelope. Uh, well, a different envelope, of course. And we open it up. It was a hundred dollar bill. He huh. said, uh, he said, I, it's a brand new hundred dollar bill. He might even printed the money in his office. We, I don't know. He could have printed the money, but we open it up and he said, uh, I respect y'all for sticking up for yourself. He said, next, uh, a homestand, you need a haircut. You think we got a haircut? We didn't get a haircut. We're going too well. You know, I mean, uh, so that was a story with that thing right there. So, I mean, we had like little things and George always, uh, um, you know, I mean, would say something and, you know, you know, and uh, Billy would say something or Gay Paul would say something, but that was our team. But we had a team with different personalities on it. We're crazy people on the team. So it was fun, Mark. I mean, uh, I loved it. Unfortunately, I didn't live up to my uh, uh, potential plan-wise, but I, I got to say one thing. I gave 120% everything I did. I never jaked running to first base, second base. I ran into walls. I hit a home run in Milwaukee. That's why my shoulder went out of place, and uh, the Yankees uh, thought I had a strained muscle. Back then, um, you know, I was going back and forth and back and forth. I kept on having strained muscles, they said. I said, it's worse than strained muscle. I can't even pick up to eat. I can't even sleep. You know, they said, well, we'll give you a shot. So I'm never, I'm never going to forget. I go in there, get a shot. Maybe it, it cured her for like maybe a day or two. And then they kept on getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And finally, you know, they sent me Dr. Uh, Dr. Job and Dr. Uh, 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 Curlin out where they did the Tommy Johns out in Centrella Hospital in Inglewood, California. And they said, uh, I, uh, my tendon was completely separate from my shoulder. And uh, they said I was very, very lucky even to pick up anything. So they operated. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't have scoping at that particular time. They had to cut muscle to muscle. So that was a year. So down in spring training, I come back. I really worked my uh, butt off. And down in spring training, I was having a super spring. I think I was hitting like seven, eight home runs, hitting the ball, crushing the ball. Then I run into a wall in spring training. Four days we were supposed to break camp. Uh, Billy Martin uh, comes running out in Winter Haven. Uh, we're playing the Red Sox, and he looks at me. The first thing he looks at, because we had Tory Cannon, who was going to be the right-hander hitter, and uh, and he looks at me. He even looks, see, how am I doing? He said, I can't believe this. I just released Tory, uh, uh, Jimmy Wynn, and you're you going to go on the disabled list again. I said, oh, no, like that. I said, my career is dead. It's died. Because if Billy Martin says this to me, running all the way out, and then Herman Snyder, who was a team trainer, and Gene Monahan, they come running out and they look at me in my knee. I uh, uh, my knee was just busted. I had bones are coming out of my kneecap, uh, tore my uh, uh, ACL, MCL, cartilage, and everything. And uh, I'm walking back, and uh, Billy shaking his head wouldn't even look at me. So I died. You know, and then I left the next year to go to Chicago. And, uh, uh, hey, if I was healthy, I would stayed up in New York. New York was my home, my fans. I, you know, I, I, I love my fans. I love my people. It was the hardest thing for me to do, Mark.
Well, you know what? 50 plus years later, sir, you are still a fan favorite. You are still a legend. And I can't wait to see you come the next old timers day that we're allowed to all convene on the field. I look forward to saying hello in person. But I won't uh, let you run for me. You can run for me and you can hit for me. No, I'm not going to run. <laughs> You're probably still faster than I am. And you've got 20 years on me. Uh, <laughs> No, my sprinting days are pretty much uh, relegated to the tennis court, but uh, it, it'll be fun to uh, get together uh, when uh, when circumstances allow. Congratulations on the success of the book. It is number one on several Amazon charts. It's called The Captain and Me on and off the field with Thurman Munson. And I want to give Ron Bloomberg one last chance to campaign for the late Thurman Munson and the Baseball Hall of Fame. The book you will never put down. Because I'm talking to Mark now. He still, he said he couldn't put the book down. Of everybody that has bought the book, I make them uh, contact me on Facebook. They cannot put the book down. It's the best of the best. People love the book. And Thurman, I'm doing this for Thurman. I'm doing it for Thurman and the fans. Fans help Thurman get into the Hall of Fame where he should be rather than sitting uh, uh second to Carlton Fisk. Thurman should make the Hall of Fame, and we need to put him in. Buy the book. You'll love it. Thurman Munson, Hall of Fame. I enjoyed the time, sir. Thank you so much. You're the best. Mark, thank you very much. You are the best. Looking forward to seeing old timers day, and you owe me a steak dinner, big guy. I love when you lie. Well, the steak dinner, you know what? We'll have Schlossberg pay for the steak dinner. How about oh, that? That's right. <laughs> Two chances with that. <laughs> there you go. I'm Mark Renee. That is the great Ron Bloomberg, and you're on the mark. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.